This episode was paid in full by DTN Progressive Farmer. As the 2023 crop season draws to a close, farmers are planning for the year to come, and in some cases, thinking about fertilizer purchases for 2024 and beyond. But what's driving crop nutrient markets now and in the months to come? That's today on Field Posts. This is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. Fertilizer prices across the board are down off near all-time highs from this time last year and providing less angst as the farm sector moves into the winter months. However, that doesn't mean that uncertainty and risk are gone as two global conflicts in key fertilizer exporting regions threaten to throttle world supply if conditions change. This week, we're joined by DTN editor and reporter Russ Quinn to dig into the current market conditions and what's likely to drive them going forward. We'll explore the latest price trends as we continue tracking the global trade in key nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash markets that are no longer being affected by sluggish supply chains in a global pandemic, but instead face both negative and positive pressures from new Chinese exports, investment in U.S. domestic fertilizer production, and the outlook for winter weather around the globe. We'll also discuss advice for farmers as they follow fertilizer market news in the coming months, unpack expectations about potential wild cards that remain, and hear about how past conflicts might come back to haunt the crop nutrients market right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by the DTN Ag Summit, this year happening virtually. Here's Katie Dellinger for a little bit more on the agenda and how to register. DTN Ag Summit this year, our theme is going to be Fortify Your Financial Foundation, really looking at a lot of the issues that form the basis of farmers' balance sheets, their equity position, their land, what's going on with their interest rate expense, how are they managing their business and their technology costs to make the best of it. I'm excited for it. Our our session on land values. With that group, I think we're going to have a really good conversation about who's buying in cash, who's buying the competition, and that complexion between investors and farmer owner operators, what that means. I think we'll have a good discussion of the implications of foreign land ownership. I know that is a topic in Congress and I think we're gonna be getting some firsthand perspective from people who are really into the weeds and the buying and selling of farmland as to what kind of real impact that has on land values. And I think we're going to also maybe touch into some of the things like what things like solar can do to farmland values and some of those land issues that are related to those. We are working right now to get some different voices from a couple of different lenders for some of these pieces. We also bring in our internal experts. We're going to be having our weather and our market outlooks for 2024. Those are always done by lead analyst Todd Holtman and our meteorologist John Baranek. We'll have them back again to really give their insights. So we're going to be looking at all of that in a really comprehensive way over this two-day event. To register for and learn more about the 2023 DTN Ag Summit virtual event taking place December 5th and 6th, visit dtn.com backslash 2023-ag-summit-series 
or click on the link in the show notes. And stay tuned to the podcast for more information. Now, back to the show. DTN reporter and editor Russ Quinn joins us today to talk about the latest updates from key fertilizer markets. Russ, start us out with an overview of your expectations. What were you expecting to see in fertilizer markets right now? I guess I've had my little crystal ball and I could tell you exactly what was happening in fertilizer prices. I'd probably be living on my own little island somewhere, but uh, unfortunately I can't really do that. But it's been an interesting 2023 when it comes to retail fertilizer prices. If you even back up further into 22 and 21, we had such supply disruptions and COVID and all of these issues that was affecting fertilizer, which of course ramped up the fertilizer prices, which we saw in 2021 and, and 22. And then you got towards the end of 22 and beginning of 23. And then and those production issues were, I wouldn't say solved completely, but enough of them were solved that supply ramped back up enough that that you saw prices begin to decline. And then we saw them all throughout 23 uh, from the beginning of the year till I'd say maybe uh, midsummer that we saw dramatic uh, declines in fertilizer prices. Um, beginning of the year and hydrous prices were four digits. They were $1,500, $1,600 a ton in some locations. And it dropped about half. It was like seven, $800 a ton by springtime and, and into early summer. And then we did see, as we nor- typically do see, once we get into midsummer and towards fall, is the farmers are buying fertilizer to prepare for the fall season. Some maybe even buying fertilizer for the next spring season. But then you saw more demand return to the market and then prices started to climb back up. So fertilizer prices did move back a little bit higher. I think our average price right now is close to $900. So it's not as inexpensive as it was earlier this summer, but it's also not $1,500, $1,600 like it was uh, a year ago. So I guess the uh, one sentence summary, if I can even cram it into one sentence, would be that, yes, fertilizer prices are considerably lower than last year, but they're not certainly at the all-time lows either in that middle range. I want to get into a little bit of the specifics as far as prices go uh, before we start talking about some of maybe what's driving that market and what the effects are. But give us some of the kind of top line numbers on those key fertilizer products. Yeah, like I said, that anhydrous, I guess I was a little bit off. It wasn't right at $900. The average anhydrous price that we have right now is at 830 and when I say average anhydrous price, we track retail fertilizer prices from all across, the, mainly the Corn Belt. And we get prices every week and we put them into a spreadsheet that runs an Olympic average. So it takes out the high and the low. And that's how we get our, our fertilizer index average price. And then we also, can, if there's enough locations per state, we can break that down by state as well. When you go to the phosphorus fertilizers, that'd be DAP and, and MAP. Right now, DAP is at 714 is the national wide average, and MAP's average is at 802. Like I said, for a good chunk of the, the spring and summer, we were back below $700 when it comes to MAP. And it wasn't that long ago, they both were over $800, but the last couple of weeks, MAP climbed 
back over the plateau a little bit, back up to 802. But again, compared to a year ago, where we were just about $1,000 map and dap. So obviously, seven and $800 don't seem that bad. Potash is, is one that we didn't really see a whole lot of gyrations up and down. We did, we did climb, of course, when all the fertilizers did. But it's right at $509 is the average price for potash. Urea, nitrogen fertilizer, is at 573 uh, 1034O starter fertilizer that's mainly used at uh, planting time when they plant corn is that 613. And then UAN 28 and 32 are both liquid and nitrogen fertilizers, mainly used in the spring when planting occurs. And 28% is at 360 and 32% is at 415. But again, not that long ago, they were both into the $500 range. So we have seen fertilizers fall back from year ago levels. I want to get in a little bit into kind of drivers of those markets. I think going into the winter last year, we were very caught about the conflict in Ukraine and how that could potentially cause dramatic spikes or dramatic fluctuations in the fertilizer market. When you're looking at things right now, I'm curious what you are seeing in terms of things that are motivating the fertilizer market, maybe the simple version of this question is why are prices where they are right now? Do you have a good sense? Yeah, the war in Ukraine, when it started, which would have been February of 22, I believe, that was during that period of time the fertilizers were increasing considerably because of all the other issues that we had with supply and we had potash import duties being leveled. We had various supply uh, issues. We had the chemical plants in Texas being shut down that one winter because of being cold and they had no electricity. And there was just a massive list of supply issues at that time. And then you get into the February of 2020 and then the war starts in Ukraine and it continued to go higher. And we all thought that from talking to the analysts, fertilizer analysts that I talked to, and retailers and, and everybody in the in industry. And they thought that this was going to be a really bad deal that prices were going to climb even higher, which they did for a while. But then a weird thing happened. And I think it was because all of those supply issues that we talked about started, some of them started to straighten out, more supply made it to the market, places, the United States, other places found other sources for fertilizers because of course in the Ukraine and the Black Sea region is a major uh, fertilizer producer with uh, Russia, uh, nitro, huge nitrogen and potash producer. And Belarus is uh, one of the leading um, potash producers is both in that area. So that's why fertilizer analysts, everybody thought that this was going to be a hugely bad deal uh, because so much fertilizer flowed out of the Black Sea. And then with a major military conflict. This was going to be yet another supply issue, but it, it turned out not to be. And we got later into 22 and then into 23, retail fertilizer prices continued to de decline and declined all the way until this summer. But as it turns out, and I, I'm just starting to talk to fertilizer analysts again, in December, I always write a World Fertilizer Outlook article series. And that's what the one had mentioned to me the other day when I talked to him was, yeah, it really turned out not to be a, not, you hate to downgrade a, a military 
conflict, a, a war essentially. But for the fertilizer market, the Ukraine uh, Russia conflict really didn't affect the market, says there was still fertilizer moving out of that area in two places. But Canada is a huge potash producer. Canada essentially just increased production to make up the difference for uh, Belarusian product not to be able to ship out. There was duties applied towards Belarusian potash and not Russia because and I'm not a policy expert by any means, but Russia didn't have those type of things applied towards them, but Belarus did. They really suffered. Their, their production and exports just dropped dramatically. But even Belarus that I had read the other day shipped things eastward through Russia on rails to other places like China. So they were still able to get some product out, which continued to flow of fertilizer. So I guess my long-winded answer to all this is, yeah, it was a conflict and it's bad, but it really didn't affect the fertilizer market as bad as I think some people thought it was going to. And speaking of some of those other factors that are maybe have been figured out or are in the process of adjusting after the last couple of years, I know you wrote recently a little bit about uh, the Biden administration's fertilizer production expansion program. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious just how much policy actions here at home are closing maybe some of that gap that people thought was going to occur at the global scale for the fertilizer markets. Yeah, and the United States is a major uh, consumption of nitrogen, potash, and and, uh, phosphorus, obviously, but we're not major producers of especially potash and phosphorus, lots of nitrogen produced in the United States. But that's only because, I don't even know what it was, 15 years ago, we had a major uh, building boom at that time and and got some major uh, nitrogen facilities built. In fact, the Closest one to me here in eastern Nebraska would be the one in southeastern Iowa, uh, the Iowa fertilizer plant that they built far southeastern Iowa, in Iowa along the Mississippi River. And that got built and that supplied a lot of the Midwest with nitrogen fairly close to where it gets applied and where the corn is grown. Yeah, it's certainly, it's been an interesting process to watch this industry over a longer period of time. And now you get to the point that, like I said, we had so many supply chain type of issues go on the last few years that, yeah, so what does it all mean going forward? And we did write about the Biden administration and their push to get domestic fertilizer to increase. And Todd Neely and I wrote a a couple articles, I think it was last fall, maybe about a year ago when they first introduced this program and they had a list of the recipients of the grants and there were some Midwestern fertilizer facilities that got grants, but a lot of the grants were geared towards more organic fertilizer and compost and not necessarily in the Midwest. There was lots from the New England area. There was some from Oregon and Washington state. And so our article essentially became was <laughs> we didn't really know how m- much this was going to really affect commercial agriculture compared to perhaps more fringe type of, of agriculture. Any investment is good in the grand scheme of things. And I imagine that's, that is one way of looking at it. The other way, like I said, would be that maybe the 
some of this investment isn't going to really help commercial farmers that grow corn in, in the Midwest. With all of that in mind, I'm curious, as you are looking ahead, to, I think the winter months are obviously very key for growers as they are thinking about making purchases, as they are thinking about crop mixes for the coming year. You mentioned that you'll be doing a World Fertilizer Outlook uh, series a little later this winter. But as you are starting to think about that kind of story, what are you paying attention to in terms of maybe what could still cause big shifts in the market over the next couple of months? Yeah, uh, like I said, fertilizers supplies are better and we don't have the huge issues that we had a couple of years ago. But that doesn't exactly mean that the waters are perfectly calm. There, there are still things that can disrupt fertilizer flow and and uh, and factor prices and move prices higher. There's several things. The first one that jumps into my mind would be the Mississippi uh, River water levels are extremely low. We had a pretty dry summer in at least the Western Corn Belt. I'm sure the Eastern Corn Belt it was dry in spots too, but that how that affects fertilizer is the fact that the product has moved up and down the Mississippi River. And with it being shallow in many locations, they can't move uh, barges or they can't fill the barges as much as they could in the past. So as fertilizer grain has moved down the river to New Orleans, fertilizers moved up the river from New Orleans, less fertilizer moving up the river because barges can't be filled. That's going to perhaps affect the flow of fertilizer and thus availability and price. So that would be one thing to watch. The war, you hate talking about wars and all these places, but the war in Israel with Israel and Hamas, Israel, and I don't think very many people realize this, but Israel is a major producer of fertilizer as well, mainly the P and K. But that is something to watch. But the war, the Gaza area, Gaza Strip is not the same area where the fertilizer is produced in Israel. So right now it, it, it appears to be okay, the fertilizer supply would be okay and, and and everything. But if the war would be to expand, which is what a lot of the people seem to be worried about, if we had a larger war that would bring in countries from all over the Mideast, that would be a bad thing. So that would be something else, another negative to watch. One positive, China had was a huge exporter of, of phosphorus, map adapt. And a couple of years ago, when all these supply type of issues were going on, they pretty much stopped exporting phosphorus, which was, again, another supply issue for the whole world. They wanted to keep the fertilizer in their country to make sure that their farmers had access to uh, MAP and DAP and, and those type of fertilizers. So they pretty much for a couple of years stopped exporting into the world market, which was another supply issue. The one analyst had said that now they feel like the supply has returned worldwide. And, and so they're starting to push more product onto the world market, which is, again, good for everybody involved because then there's more supply for everybody else in the world. So th I guess it's not all negative in the fact that there's one huge source of one type of fertilizer going on to the world market that we didn't have for the last couple of years. So, yeah, and then demand's another thing, too, in the fact that with fertilizer or fertilizer prices getting so high the last couple of years that demand destruction occurred. And I think that one year that fertilizer consumption was down like 7%. I think that was either in 21 or 22 because in other parts of the world, you know, I think those of us in the United States think that North America is the center of the world, but the rest of the world also uses fertilizer. 
And farmers in Africa really suffered when the fertilizer prices climbed higher because, you know, at least we could get it. And there was parts of Africa and other parts of the world of Southeast Asia that they just pretty much stopped using fertilizer because they couldn't afford to pay the higher fertilizer prices. So the flow of fertilizer, these places just pretty much stopped, which was why you saw consumption drop over the world. But last year when I wrote my articles at the end of the year, they predicted that consumption was going to be up like three or 4% in 2023. And the one fertilizer analyst had predicted it to be up 7% in 2024. And then that outlook went through like 2027. And that outlook for 2027 was to be back up in the double digits. So really the affordability of fertilizer is really what affects the consumption and the supply and the demand of it, because we'll use it in the United States, Canada, no matter what price-wise, but other parts of the world, the price gets too high. They just pretty much don't use fertilizer at all. The one other factor that we were worried about last year related to cold weather and demand for natural gas from basically other markets, other uses, and how that might affect especially nitrogen fertilizers. And you also mentioned the other thing that cold weather can do, which is shut down facilities and slow production or affect supply in that way. So are you worried about cold weather going into this winter as it may affect fertilizer prices? Yeah, and that's another one we had last summer as well a year ago about this time when we started getting into the winter time there was nitrogen plants across Europe that shuttered temporarily because the price for their feedstocks for which they build fertilizer from is from natural gas and the natural gas price was so high last summer that that it wasn't their margins were negative and and they couldn't make a profit creating fertilizer. So a lot of the plants shut down temporarily, but then price declined a little bit. And then the winter as as it was last year, at least in Europe, and we keep saying Europe because that's the, it seemed like all the problems happened in Europe because of the pipeline that Russia had, the natural gas pipeline. And so there was lots of issues. So, but as it turns out that there were really, they had some supply, the winter wasn't quite as bad as they thought. And it wasn't that turned out not to be a huge deal. Natural gas prices do fluctuate. And then this year, I wrote a propane outlook article in in August, and I talked to a lot of analysts, and the natural gas price is considerably lower than it was even a year ago. I think as we go forward into this fall and into the winter, and then next spring, at least general appearances are that everything should be okay. But the wild card in all of this is the weather. If we have a horribly bad winter that that makes below average temperatures and in the the heating home heating industry as far as propane goes and propane of course built from natural gas as well that that could push prices up and then that would cause a whole different series of issues and then one of the issues that we saw that one year which led to fertilizer supply issues was cold weather hitting the south the texas area the southeastern texas where they Lots of chemical and fertilizer plants are there, and they were shut down for a couple different times, I think, for weeks at a time. So those type of issues, weather, obviously weather is a wild card in agriculture period, but especially when it comes to fertilizer production and the supply of fertilizer and natural gas. And and, yeah, it just just depends. It's a wimpy way of uh, getting out of the question, but it just depends what kind of weather we see this winter. Yeah. 
Speaking of the coming winter, I am going to ask you to get out your crystal ball, not so much to make predictions, but to maybe offer some advice. I think for producers, it can be intimidating and overwhelming to try and follow the fertilizer markets. But I wonder if you have any advice on maybe some key numbers or issues to pay attention to as folks track the fertilizer markets over the next few months. Yeah, it will It will be interesting to see what where prices go from here. Because like I said, for the first part of 23, every week we saw fertilizer prices lower than the previous week. And then for two years before that, it was opposite. It was every week we saw prices higher. And then we got towards the middle of the, the summer and then prices started to uh, see some strength again. Yeah, I, you would, <laughs> the last couple of years have been such a cluster as far as supply that it was really hard to predict what was going to happen. But if we go back to, quote, a normal time, the before 20, essentially, so it was like 18, 17, 18, and 19, you saw fertilizers fairly stable with, with plenty of supply, and there was a huge increases or decreases of fertilizer prices. Again, unless we see major supply disruptions into 24, I think you're going to see more stable fertilizer prices, stable being in the range that we're back into now, a quote, normal range. That we're not four digits in anhydrous, we're three digit anhydrous around that seven, $800 range. And same with the MAP and DAP. So I think going forward, we're probably going to be back in that normal environment for the fertilizer market. And that normal environment normally includes, we get away from the fall application season and we get through the winter and prices are, are I would say, dull <laughs> in the fact that they don't really move. One week, we might see a couple up and a couple down. And next week, it might be five up and three down. But there's just, it's, it's varying degrees on both sides of unchanged. And again, huge uh, supply disruptions. And then we'll get to spring and then we'll see normal demand pick up for fertilizer and then prices will increase in the spring as retailers are filling their facilities and demand increases. And then we get in the, the crops planted and then we'll we'll see a decrease again with less demand once we get into midsummer. But then you get towards the fall and then it goes back up again. And that's the normal pattern that we that I've seen with retail fertilizer prices from tracking them for the last. Uh, 15 years or whatever it's been. That's the normal pattern. But the last three or four or five years, we didn't really see that because of all the uh, supply disruptions. So if we're truly back to a normal market, that's what would probably occur. And as far as farmers, producers, like I said, a lot of producers locked fertilizer in probably this summer when prices were so low for not only this fall, but some for the next spring. And I think that's what will continue, especially as we get to the end of the year. A lot of farmers, for tax purposes, will spend money at the end of the year. And one of the things they, they do buy is, is fertilizer, their nutrient needs for the upcoming crop at the end of the year. And some farmers will go ahead and, and do that. And, and some will, won't do that. And they'll wait till maybe January, February, March timeframe to lock and fertilize their prices. Other farmers won't even do that at all. Some of them some will just go just as needed basis and not lock in fertilizer. But it will be interesting to see what happens going forward with farmers locking in fertilizer because the last couple of years have been such a roller coaster of prices up and then down and then back up again a little bit. It's, it'll be interesting to see if 
farmers are more willing or less willing to <clears throat> lock in fertilizer because of what we've seen the last couple of years. And like I said, before that, when we were in a quote normal environment, we went five, six, seven years without huge increases or decreases. And I think farmers felt comfortable locking in fertilizer in that environment, but I'm pretty sure they weren't very comfortable of, of doing that the last couple of years. Cause I heard from farmers that locked in, and then it would have been like the fall of 20 when the prices first started climbing. And then over the course of the, of the coming years, they were afraid to lock in fertilizer because they were afraid that the market was going to drop considerably after the fact. And then they were going to have to end up pay, paying more. So they were a little bit more cautious, I think, of, of locking in fertilizer. I would guess that it, those that do lock in fertilizer will continue to, and those that don't, won't. I don't think there'll be a big shift back and forth between the two groups. But it will be interesting to, to be a retailer because retailers really depended upon farmers letting them know they want as much communication between them and their farmer customers back and forth so they know how much fertilizer to buy. And these particular farmers need this much and this is when they're going to lock it in or this is when they're not going to lock it in. It's a huge communication type of deal. Because if you go back to 08, 09, when fertilizer prices spiked at that particular time, which is when we started tracking retail fertilizer prices was that there wasn't a lot of communication between retailers and their farmer customers at that time. So they didn't know how much. Then they ended up with all this high priced fertilizer and the market crashed as we got to spring. And uh, so it is very important. I've learned over the years that uh, retailers and farmers talk back and forth, especially during the winter time, obviously crop farmers, even livestock crop farmers have a little bit more free time in, in the winter time to sit down and talk with uh, the retailers or fertilizer suppliers and say, this is what I need. This is when I need it. This is what I want to pay and have the conversation with their retailers to, to make the whole process go smoother. My last question is just maybe taking a little step back, looking at the broader spread of your reporting. Any stories that you have coming up or things that you think our listeners should keep an eye out in terms of interesting topics you're covering or just stories that you want to flag for listeners? We touched a little bit about, about the, the Global World Fertilizer Outlook series. Uh, those articles always run in the first part of December. And I've probably written that series for 10 plus years where we just look ahead to the upcoming year and what we've just talked about, the the challenges and then the positive and negative things facing uh, fertilizer as far as prices and supply and demand type of issues into the 2024. I'm just starting to work on that now. So that's always an interesting article. And I can go back and look at some of these articles from the last five or six years. And it's like, what were we all thinking? But it's like, at that particular time, that's a snapshot of what's going on in the market. And what we think is, not we, uh, I inter uh, interviewed with the analysts and it's their outlook into the next year, but it just shows you how fast things can change in this market with all the supply type of issues, because I'm pretty sure it was into the 20, into 21. And that one I went back and read and then nothing anybody said came to fruition because of all the supply type of issues. But then you go back before those, and then one from last year was pretty pretty accurate. But that just goes to show you the volatility in in any market is is always there, 
but especially in the fertilizer market, if it's like this snowball rolling down the hill, it's just a little tiny snowball at the top of the hill. I want to start halfway down and it's wiping out villages and, and things along the way down that all of a sudden it's, it's a, it could be a big deal. And then it completely changes the outlook on the year. So those, there'll be three, there'll be nitrogen outlook, there'll be the phosphorus outlook, and then the potash outlook. And then the wintertime, I always try to write interesting articles about fertilizer, whether it be something to do with with application technology or the different forms of nitrogen, as far as the shifting between the different forms of nitrogen and something along those lines. Um, Yeah. I find it interesting in the forms of nitrogen. I grew up on a farm here in Eastern Nebraska. We always used the one same form of nitrogen every year for my entire life. But I guess there are people all over the world that shift back and forth between the different forms of of nitrogen. That would be the liquid form of nitrogen and then hydrous is a gaseous form. And like urea is the solid form of nitrogen. So those three create the stool of nitrogen. And when there's, everybody's using the same level and the stool is okay but if everybody shifts to one like you know if anhydrous is way cheaper than the other two and everybody shifts anhydrous that creates an imbalance in the market and the stool collapses i'm big on analogies you could probably tell with the village and everything but that's i always thought that was really interesting in the fact that if one fertilizer were to be drop in price or some sort of factor would change well the whole market becomes at risk because like I said, it's a three-legged stool that, that holds the market up. And if everybody goes to one or the other, that, that doesn't create a well-balanced market, if you will. So those are the, usually later on in the winter, I try to, maybe not necessarily a series, but some articles about some something to do with the, the fertilizer industry. To read more of Russ's extensive reporting on fertilizer markets and beyond, Visit DTNPF.com or subscribe to the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Russ Quinn. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Susan Payne. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, remember, the future of farming is here.